Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together leaders in the gaming industry to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm James, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the German market. And today, I'm going to be your host. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephen, Peter, and Constantine. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Stephen, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, my name is Stephen O'Sullivan. Uh, I work for Savage Game Studios, uh, PlayStation Studio. I've uh, been in the industry for 10 or so years at the stage. Uh, previously worked for Ubisoft and Activision, uh, working on online services mainly. Um, uh, biggest passion, yeah, right now I am obviously, to no surprise, playing a lot of video games. Uh, it's something I never really grew out of. Um, but as well, like a big, big side of my personality is uh, very much into weightlifting and powerlifting. Um, for many, many, many years from a teenager. Um, so that's something I do every, every day with, with my partner. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's it. Nice. What's your, um, current favorite game that you can play? Right now I'm playing Chained Echoes, actually. Um, I'm just getting, getting over it, uh, cause I obviously want to go on to Zelda. Um, I think that's the game I just, it actually just arrived today in the post. So looking forward to that tonight. Uh, but I'm on the last boss now with Chained Echoes, so uh, looking to get, get over that. Nice. Perfect. All right. Um, Peter, do you want to sort of give us an introduction to yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Peter. I'm the current lead front-end developer at Legendary Play for now about two years. Um, but I've been in the industry away for around 12 years now. And yeah, my career path was a classical one, like going to university in Austria. Uh, studied informatics, uh, then got my quick first internship, then my first job, and moved on to several indie studios uh, like Studio Fitzbin, did contract work uh, for Disney, uh, public broadcasting t- agencies, and so on, and worked on nearly all the common gaming platforms in existence. And yeah, I've been somehow always been pushed for being a lead, uh, so it was like not my intention actually uh, to be one, but somehow, yeah, as I mentioned, I got just some, somehow pushed uh, to this position and it felt like a natural transition, you could say. And yeah, I'm happy to be here then to tell about all my experiences there. Amazing, perfect. No, that sounds great there. Uh, Constantine, do you want to give us a sort of introduction to yourself as well? Sure, thank you, James. Um, I'm Constantine, and I work in gaming industry for five years now. Um, I work for Popcore. It's a Berlin company that makes puzzle games. And when I started, I was uh, starting as 3D artist for gaming and motion designer for marketing, so a mixed role because of the startup nature of the company. Uh, the company grew, and most of the time I found myself that I help to grow teams inside the company and also help um, build bridges between like higher stakeholders and uh, developers, or in this case, artists or motion designers. So I think that experience, like slowly, step by step, I was uh, able to help um, to build first motion design team, then in a couple of years, art team. And with this experience, I, I would try to uh, switch to the production role but because it kind of fits between being be, being a bridge between uh, development uh, production and what actually needs to be done what is our main goal yeah before gaming i was mostly working in uh, web design uh, for uh, yeah for various startups various uh, freelance projects 
And yeah, if it comes to the passion, I really like roller skating. <laughs> Besides gaming, of course. Nice. That's a that's that's a pretty cool passion to be fair. Um, right, amazing. Thank you for introducing yourselves, guys. Uh, so before we delve deeper into the topic, um, oh, sorry, taking myself into the wrong direction there. Um, now that we've established a context to each of you, uh, let's move on to the topic in focus. Uh, you all have a question or a statement on hiring effective game de- uh, game development talent. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reason behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Let's start with uh, Constantine. How to how to test candidates before hiring? What is more important, certificate, CV, or test results? Do you want to give us a bit of context behind this? Of course. So to give a little bit of context, I started uh, hiring without really any experience. So I had a little bit of training inside the company, but it's usually when the company is small, a lot of things are on the shoulders of the current employees, which is also nice because you are able to learn on the go, basically. Um, One of the challenges of learning on the go is to actually determine what is what is the most important uh, aspects of hiring in the in any particular case so that's why i was really curious right now to hear from you uh, as well on your opinion what 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 makes for you the biggest difference to make a decision in this case steven do you want to label that yeah absolutely i thought this is a super interesting question uh, Sorry, did I did I do something there, James? No, 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 it's absolutely fine. No, no, carry on. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was a super interesting question. Um, yeah, um, in in my opinion, um, I, I think it comes in stages for me. Um, I think the CV is definitely the the first stage when I'm looking at a candidate. Um, it doesn't tell me everything. It's something that you're going to discover in the interview process. Um, the certificate I am much less impressed on generally, and I think it was actually a particular manager in my career that kind of pointed this out to me in that you can have all the degrees and the certification and the, the bells and whistles that you can put on your CV, but at the end of the day, if you can't do the job, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I actually think a, one of the best tools that I've uh, come across in hiring candidates is a practical test. And that's not something like Codility or doing like an online test where you watch the candidate. It's a, you give them a problem, maybe a certain amount of time, a pretty flexible amount of time and see how they solve the problem, what's their thinking patterns. And then after that, actually talking through the problem with them, how did they solve it? Can they go into more details? Why didn't they uh, pick certain choices? Um, yeah, that for me that the test is the the top tier, um, I suppose, signal for hiring a, an an effective kind of candidate. Um, so it tells you a lot into their their thinking patterns and their their approach to solving problems. Nice. Uh, something that I spoke to quite a lot of hiring managers prior to this is when it comes to sort of like a practical test and things like that, it can deter some candidates. Have you ever sort of like experienced that before? Uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced it before. And I think it's a, it's a fine balance. Um, although I've, I've also experienced the opposite, funnily enough. A, a studio that I was uh, interviewing with a couple of years back when I decided to move to Berlin from Dublin, um, I was interviewing with the studio and the the lack of a test or real process actually pushed me to Ubisoft Berlin at that time because of their 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 test for the back end engineering was one of the best I actually saw in the industry so far. Um, it was a well uh, well detailed test that should test all that tested all the capabilities that a back end engineer really should have. Um, and so it, it told me that this team actually knows what they're doing. It was a difficult test for me and it took up quite a bit of my time, but it, to me, uh, it, it said, it, it spoke to the ca- the caliber of the, the backend engineers at that t- uh, on that team. And when I got there, like lo and behold, they were a really good team. Um, still talk to them to this day. So it's kind of, kind of help for them. 
Amazing. Cheers for that. Peter, do you want to give us a bit of your view? Yeah. Um, I'd say it really depends on the company in terms of what you want to test it because there are always different requirements needed for the people they want to hire. Especially like, okay, if you're a small indie studio, uh, then you mostly want to actually try to hire someone who has already some experience because you don't always have the time to invest into this person to get up to speed uh, with your development process, for example. That's a bit uh, hard for especially people who are fresh from college or university and they uh, get into their first uh, work days in real life out there and uh, it's like uh, amazing day, some amazing days for them, but also overwhelming in terms of knowledge and processes, how everything works. And um, yeah, I have experienced different levels of tests already on my side. So when I was in university, it, it was like, okay, some students were like based only on CVs and certificates and some uh, small team meeting and that's it. Other ones that are more uh, sophisticated processes like, okay, like an actual practical test, which was uh, purely online. And also some companies where the practical test was on site. And uh, each of them had uh, different uh, problems, but also advantages. And I want to, uh, just to specifically say that the problem in hiring processes always is that we try to condense all the knowledge and everything what they've experienced into a single moment of time, you could say. So that's like, oh, your CV uh, is like trying to condense every project, every single work you've done into mostly two pages of paper. Uh, which is mostly not enough. So uh, those people always try to make it interesting and so on, and typical stuff you learn in uh, making a CV. Uh, the other thing is like, okay, certificates, which is like, oh, they had the test uh, at a single point of time where they passed, and that's it. And the certificate is uh, valid for the rest of his lifetime. And the main problem, what I see is like, game development is like a very long endeavor. It's like a project which can go for years and you will need to work with the person for that long. That means you can't uh, really identify if he's the, actually a good hire on one day of uh, a hiring process, for example. You mostly need several days so you can look into, okay, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? How does he interact with your team? Because you can hire the best programmer in the world, for example, but if he doesn't fit uh, in your company from a uh, from a social perspective, or like if he doesn't fit into your cultural and your company culture, then it really questions questions yourself. Oh, was that a re really good decision? Because yeah, you solve problems, but uh, could be that morale of the team drops because of yeah, he's a bad team uh, team player and so on. So it's really hard actually to determine uh, with yeah with specific items you always provide uh, with applications how good uh, you fit in a company. Nice, perfect. Something I'd like to ask is for someone who might not have got all these certificates, how could they demonstrate themselves with some maybe previous experience and stuff to be able to even get through to sort of like a technical phase? Um, have you got any insight on that, Peter? Um, yeah. Um, so well, I'm currently also a lecturer at the Games Academy in Berlin. So I have contact with many students and people fresh, uh, uh, freshly from college and so on. And most, uh, the most indicative problems they have is like showing what they've learned actually. So the main thing is like, okay, what projects they did in college, university, which projects they did in game jams, for example, because uh, most of the things they learn actually there is like dropped under the table. It's hidden under uh, behind a grade in your in your course, and that's it. And that was something which was really very common in my time when I was in university. And unless you have pushed uh, that you show your projects, like in newcomer awards or uh, something like that in official uh, award ceremonies, uh, you didn't actually show other people what you've done. And um, 
that's also like what I want to push uh, for everyone new in the industry or learning to be a, a part of the industry is like show what you got. It's like it's not important if it's a fully full fledged project. What we actually want to see here is like, okay, what have you done? What problems did you encounter actually when you're doing things? For example, game gems are a perfect uh, test case for, oh, you're under pressure. You need to implement something in a very short time. And uh, it's like, oh, uh, the minimum viable product for most uh, cases or prototype, what you're doing for actual pro uh, projects. And it's, that's a perfect test bed, for example. Really? Thanks for that. Constantine, have you got anything to sort of add on to what um, Stephen and Peter have said? All right. I just, uh, for now, I just have a question for Stephen. Maybe, uh, have you ever experienced, because you mentioned that test is quite important part of the process, which was for me as well by the time when I was active in hiring. Uh, did you ever experience candidates that were kind of pushy and they mentioned that they don't want to do the test because of the experience or because of the CV. Uh, yes, I've gotten the feedback um, after the test, though. I've never gotten it before the test. And I think um, I think it, it really it really does depend on... I, I've noticed it kind of depends on the skill level of the candidate sometimes and that they may not have the most experience. And I think in those cases, it's important to communicate to the candidate beforehand that hey if you have any issues like let, let's chat chat about this throughout the process um it's actually it's, it was actually a uh, one thing that i really liked about my hiring process at savage actually was um at that time the company was small enough where i was interacting with the cto and uh one thing that really impressed me was um yes at the time i may not have been willing to put all of this time into a test but he made himself available and the technical director at the time as well made himself available to answer any questions that I had. Um, so I think it's really about making it as easy um, for the candidate as possible if they are finding some difficulty. Because if you say to the candidate, hey, I'm willing to communicate through with you throughout this process, it speaks to your culture, the culture in your company and the, the cooperation that you're going to have. So I think it's an opportunity actually for the candidate to interview the company as well. Um, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Uh, Constantine, is there anything else that you sort of want to question from that? Or are you happy with what your feedback was? Yeah, I think I think we got a lot of really good insights. Uh, maybe just one question for Peter as well. Because you mentioned that uh, the programmer, for example, can be as as uh, skilled as possible, right? But if um, sort of some sort of behavior might uh, make the team environment, like working environment, worse, um, how then then it probably might be a thing with a cultural fit, let's say, for the team. Is it is there a way to determine relatively early uh, that the person might not fit in the current group, for example? Mm -hmm. Um, for example, in my current company, what we do is a team meeting where we get mo not as many as possible, but some of the team together uh, and chatting with the candidate. And uh, that's not a specific test in terms of our knowledge, but more like interacting with him. Is he approachable? Can he actually talk about also his passions and uh, problems he also has? Uh, because in the end, when we are working together, he will be a colleague. We will want to be, for sure, also friends uh, at the end. And uh, we have company events and so on. So the, I'd say, standard way of communicating, socializing with people also adheres to any uh, potential hire. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, what we did the, do here is like, yeah, I'd say a good approach a good first approach for that. I mean, companies always have like the uh, uh, probation time and so on, where they can also observe that a little bit more. But I think what's most important is also that people get a good first impression of the new hire. And also that 
those people can also express if they have any concerns. Because most hiring processes are mostly like hidden in their own department. But in the end, Game Development is such an inter-process uh, uh, work. Every department works together. You have to communicate with everyone, give feedback, and so on. So the hire will naturally not only talk with people from his own department. So it's always like he needs to talk with everyone. Nice, thanks, Peter. Right, so we're going to come straight back to you, Peter, with your question, uh, which you've posed. So your question is: How can new talent, without much, or um, without not much prior work experience, catch up in a world full of regulars, seniors, and leads? Do you want to sort of give us a bit of context behind this? Hmm. Yeah, as I mentioned before, I'm a lecturer at the Games Academy, so I have contact with many new people who aspire to be in the games industry uh, from every department and uh, slice of life staff. And um, yeah, and also um, in my other, in my free time, I'm also a manager for a games area, the anime convention. And one of the defining experiences there was like, because I needed to have people to display their games there. I asked uh, the Games Academy and some friends of mine and other indie teams to yeah, show their games there. And uh, what happened was like that this game center was very well received by the visitors and also that the people who showed their games the, took the next step in their careers. So like one of those uh, was a student of the Games Academy and uh, he was so inspired by actually showing his game to customers you could say um that he uh, went to yeah going his career further as a programmer technical artist and now he's the department head at the games academy too so you could see it's like whoa that's a big jump there and uh yeah or other people like this was the first step to actually start their own company so they showed their prototype they saw oh people like that that gave them confidence to show it and uh, yeah, then they started a company just like that. And uh, that actually felt great, you could say. So my focus uh, in my career somehow shifted also from there. Not fulfilling my dream, you could say, but because of those experiences, I'm moving to more like also fulfilling the dreams of others. And so that's why I'm very invested into, yeah, connecting communities, uh, teaching people and so on. And Yes, also, as I mentioned, uh, that I try to push them to show what they got. Um, but I, my feeling is like uh, there's much more. Also, because I'm not a good person to actually look up for uh, uh, how a career should go. Because my career was like, uh, I had no problems, actually, on my past. So I didn't have had that many hardships to actually reach my first internship position, my first job position. And that's not the case for anyone, uh, for everyone here. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm giving this question to you guys. Thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, we'll come to you, Constantine. All right, uh, I can start. That's a really interesting question. And I think every student in any university kind of asks this question because it doesn't seem to have an obvious answer, to be honest. I think from my experience, I was able either to observe or uh, experience maybe, let's say, three uh, ways how to put yourself in the place that you want or get yourself into the industry that you want. So for me, uh, I didn't have, um, no, sort of to say, I didn't go directly to the gaming industry straight from the university. Uh, so my path was a little... Uh, left and right before I actually got where I wanted to be. Um, but on the way of uh, getting to the game industry, I was mostly trying to collect skills that I knew will be helpful. Uh, so some of them are design or maybe 3D editing or maybe texturing or how something about uh, working with the cl client in terms of uh, what are what are our, our requirement, requirements right now, right, etc. Um, so one thing is to 
understand where you want to be at some point and what what your uh, role is going to be and uh, try to like with the small steps uh, build your way uh, into it one thing that helps a lot in this way is actually right connections and you never know where you're gonna get them so being social uh but i i wouldn't say networking because it feels a little uh, cold as a word but just being social you never know where uh which friend of your of yours is having the same interest as you are so and sometimes opportunities are just coming from uh completely unexpected uh, places and another one is maybe being able to work on yourself i would say it especially works for artists because uh succeed to succeed or or to grow yourself as an artist you need to put a lot of uh work into studies into styles skills um have personal projects uh, to know where to publish those personal projects for us for example um we had many platforms like like artstation behance dribble a lot of a lot of places where you can figure out what are the trends uh what is currently interesting in the industry or in the like certain type of uh, projects that you want to participate in and try to try to challenge yourself in those things uh without any course without anything and see how it goes maybe some uh, learnings are required on the way maybe uh some skills as well or maybe some communities as well um communities i think is very very cool thing uh especially when it comes to also art like sorry <laughs> i'm gonna mostly cover this uh, part today um and uh, because yeah you also see what pe- other people are having interested in and maybe the third one is um, try to if if you want you for example you really really want to be in the gaming industry uh, one of the easiest way is to find a job that doesn't require a lot of hard skills such as quality assurance or uh, something some companies that are able to help you to grow so as as we mentioned before startups are looking for the most experienced uh, professionals and bigger companies are able to grow inside so maybe to find those places where you're able to grow inside the company and then on the way figure out what like what what is what is the most interesting thing in the in this huge spectrum of possibilities sort of um they i think that would be my answer thanks for that um yeah steven follow on from that one yeah, I had a uh, following up from Peter. Actually, I, I had a very, very similar experience. Where uh, so in, in Ireland, um, the industry is at at the moment it's growing. So that's where I, I started, um, and I started at a studio called Demonware. And they're not a traditional game studio in the sense that they make games, but they provide online services. So I happened to go to a university, and and I think these universities exist all around that have a particular connection to. Um, industry as a whole and i don't mean just the gaming industry but just they have great uh work experience connections uh, it was the university of limerick in my case and they were well known throughout ireland for having a lot of industry um connections of being and, and it was actually a requirement in our third year to actually go off and find an internship and that was how you complete the second half of your third year um so if you are at the age where you are thinking like hey I may, I may want to go into like computer science or art or or anything like that uh first looking at the university or college that you're you want to go into could be um a first step um but as well uh i would say even just going to demon where in my case was a step into the into more studios because after that i went into to ubisoft um and then savage to actually be in productions um but Overall, I, I can say that my experience was a very difficult one. I got very, very lucky. Even, even in, even in the interview that I had with Demon, where I, I, I scraped by. Um, so even just getting that, I remember, I remember that year they were they were taking on two interns, and they happened to decide to take three that year. So very, very, very lucky. Um, but for, for me, it would be that the first step could be okay. 
the institution that you could potentially be going for, how how well are they connected to the industry? But even as I think Constantine was saying, uh, larger companies also have programs like Ubisoft actually have programs where they take on students um, and they they kind of incubate students and grow them into into developers in the industry. So they're well well worth looking into those programs. Nice, thanks for that. Something I've got a question for you, Stephen, is uh, Constantine mentioned something about uh, ArtStation, where it's a sort of like platform where people can show off their talents and things like this. When it comes to the program side, me personally, I don't know anything about a place where you could sort of show it off. Is there somewhere like that that you could do this? Yeah, absolutely. So generally, um, when you, I used to use it quite a lot when I was a young developer, uh, and still, still to some extent, is GitHub. Um, it's a public repository where you can can host code and host projects, um, but as well you can you can put things up on the Unreal Marketplace if you want, if you wanted to. Um, especially particularly in in the on the art side, I know there's people who actually make a living um, putting assets and things on the Unreal Marketplace. Um, so putting that up and showing and showing studios like, hey, this is what I've done, this is what I've created, this is the level I've created, this is the asset I've created, this is the code I've created. Um, for, for programmers in particular, GitHub would be the number one um, stop because not only is it a great place to host your code, but it also shows that you know how to use a tool and collaborate with others, particularly if you're if you're working with others on a GitHub project because uh, it's a tool that's widely used in the industry. Um, but as well, um, another kind of code hosting tool that's used widely is Perforce. Generally, People wouldn't use it if they're if they're on uh, on an individual basis. It's really for larger projects, but um, Perforce would be one well, uh, well worth looking into as well. Perfect. Have you got anything to add on, sort of, Peter, from after hearing uh, them two views? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question. Another question would be like, okay, how can new people or like fresh meat, <laughs> some say. Um, actually compete with people who have already the experience in the industry. It's like because also in the past there was all those layoff uh, news and people from big studios uh, had to move on. And the question is like, how can I actually do handle this as a new one? Steven? Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I was actually thinking about this one uh, when I when I read it previously, and it's an interesting one. And it's um, competing is is uh, it's an interesting word. Like I, my my attitude really when I came into the industry was really to, and I actually learned this from another developer I used to work with. He was he was a, he was an amazing developer, um, and he he came up really 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 quickly. And the reason he did it was because he he completely put his ego to the side and he just asked questions senior developers just ask questions like how does this work how does this work how does this work because i think one thing i I tend to see in some junior developers not all um is the tendency to want to look intelligent all of the time it's like we know that they don't have the experience um so really what we we kind of want to see is like just a curiosity and a willingness to learn because it it just shows a lot of humility and willingness to work with the team um, it's not to say that senior developers know know all by any means, um, but it just shows a real willingness to learn. And yeah, every developer I've seen who's who've taken that approach, they've always progressed incredibly quickly because they. And I think it's I think it's actually at any level that's at any that's even at the senior level, um, they just keep going up and up and up. Um, so that would be my advice to anyone who's really looking to compete with those senior developers and really looking to progress forward. Perfect. Does that answer your question, Peter? There. Yeah, it's similar also like to my own approach I try to push. It's also like because as a lead, people always think like, oh, you have always to give the technical direction to do something and so on. You supervise everything. But uh, what people also forget is like this position is always a bit of, there's some blurriness in this position. So like you're not giving the direction for your work, but you're also uh, like an engineering manager, uh, for some time too and what i always like to think about is like i want to push people that much so that i myself get obsolete because th- that's a mindset uh, i think not many people actually 
want to hear <laughs> because it's like, oh, it's your position, that's your work. But uh, in the end, if you want to push your team to be as great as possible, I think what you really need to do is like push your ego away, as Steven said, and uh, push the people under you uh, to be the best and uh, that they can learn so much from yourself and learn all the processes and then Especially because even as a developer, I need to code myself. I need time to do so. So it's also like a win-win situation. <laughs> Many don't think like, but uh, yeah, when I don't have to supervise every little thing on my team, I have more time to do my own stuff actually. And uh, that's also something people need to consider. And yeah, as I mentioned, I'm for, uh, totally with Steam. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks for that, Pierre. Right. So we'll come across to you again, Stephen, now for your question. Um, so your question is some companies look for hard skills over soft skills and others vice versa. Um, what are your preferences? Why and how do you effectively hire for that? Um, so do you want to give us a bit of context behind that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a, a topic that a lot of companies um, struggle with and it really depends on what part of the project that they're in. Um, so for example, I, I would say at Savage, we really try to focus on um, culture and soft skills over hard skills to an extent. Um, there, there's a lot that it's a, it, it can be a controversial opinion depending on who you talk to, but it's kind of what Peter actually was saying earlier around culture fit. Um, it can make or break a team um, because hiring ineffective people culture-wise will breed more of those same people and over time they'll get worse and worse um so really it's a decision between do you want to solve the problem now or do you want to solve the problem later um so I, i'm super interested to hear what folks preferences are so i would say our preference is kind of 60 40 in terms of culture versus hard skills you can learn the hard skills eventually um, but soft skills are a fundamental um, to someone's kind of being, which is very, very difficult to change. So that's kind of the, the motivation behind that question. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, Stephen. Um, so, Constantine, yeah, do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, I think as well as you mentioned, for me personally, it was always uh, a balance. And, uh, but not only that, but maybe also... Um, an ability of a candidate to you know, convince uh, the hiring manager, in this case, that they are a good fit for the job in terms of, first of all, I think, uh, motivation and attitude, and also being able to communicate friendly in the environment also. As uh, we already mentioned here, uh, working together, working alongside the negative feedback uh, being able to accept and being able to give uh, as well in the proper manner. Um, on the other hand, uh, in the art segment, it is always important also to, there is very easy to uh, be, uh, not very, not very easy, but it's, it's one of the challenges of the art uh, in, in gaming is that technical skills can take over an ability to impress uh, the audience because artists also acts a little bit like a fashion or you know, pop star uh, persona, which um, also kind of can give a, an impression for hiring manager that if if the artist actually trying to uh, understand the company products fit fit the style. Also, try to understand, if I, if I can rephrase that, if artist is able to feel the trend, sort of, but also, of course, being able to work with the team, being able to communicate things properly. When sometimes it was, um, it's also a little bit connected to the previous question uh, that with more experience uh, an artist can get sometimes it's, uh, there is a danger to being stuck in the old-fashioned uh, type of uh, products that were already developed. Of course, they require a lot of knowledge and uh, uh, skill, 
but because time is changing, also the uh, newcoming um, newcoming specialists are way more way 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 faster learn the new trends, sort of. So in this case, uh, for me personally, I think this three segments, which is being able to fit in trends and fashion and products of the company as an artist or like as a visual visual designer, then uh, being able to be proactive and uh, with a positive friendly attitude. And the third one, of course, have at least uh, like 50-60% of the most necessary uh, software that is currently uh, popular, uh, especially in the times when the new program comes every year. Yeah, thanks for that, Constantine. Pete, have you got a view on this as well? Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's an interesting question, interesting question because I experienced the whole spectrum in my hiring processes. So especially when I started out to be a lead and had my first hiring processes, I was like a hard advocate of hard skills. So I was really talking about the hires about concepts, design patterns, and so on for a programmer side. Um, but yeah, this led to the problem of yeah intimidating the applicants too. So it was like I was getting known as the bad cop in interviews. And uh, <laughs> there was uh, a total contrast to my actual behavior in, in the company itself when talking with colleagues. And yeah, that was also an interesting experience. Like, and uh, that moved on to yeah, valuing soft skills much much higher than hard skills. So um, then, yeah, we got into the talks, and the people were also more comfortable with talking with you, actually. But then we got the problems of yeah, what are the actual requirements of the company? What do you need in this stage of the project? Uh, which people you want to hire? And that was a total conflict again, conflict of interests. Like, and uh, now I'm like, yeah, pretty similar to Steven, like a 60, 40, 65 to 35 percentage soft skills versus hard skills. Um, because um, what we always do in game project is like solving problems. And uh, we handle that a little bit with our tests uh, we have. Uh, but also, uh, when we are talking with the people, it's like you want a little bit of hard skills, actually, because you need some type of being able to communicate with the people. So, like, speaking the same language. It's a harshly worded, but when someone talks about design patterns, for example, and mostly you don't want to actually explain to people or that others explain to you what these are. It's like as concept right you know directly what he's talking about and you don't need to go into detail but it's like you want to talk about oh use this to solve this problem and so on or these are the implications uh for a certain uh other problem and uh yeah that's why i moved on to this and yeah it's a really experience, uh, interesting thing because it's more like the more experience i got with actually talking with people and knowing the in and outs of both, I'd say, uh, poles of the spectrum, I also then moved to this uh, into the middle of the spectrum. Then, and it feels like that's uh, actually a good way to handle that. And I also think it's a good thing that I've experienced this because then I'm also more able to actually see oh, which people are more inclined to. Yeah, they are more like the introvert person, for example, and then you need to talk differently like the extrovert person. And um, and that's also important for later on because because when one person has some character traits, it doesn't mean that he's a bad fit for your company in the end. And uh, for example, we also have in our company interesting characters and we all work greatly together. And that's uh, and it's not not an issue if someone is the more sarcastic one and uh, talks uh, much more badly about certain things. <laughs> but and the other one is like, yeah, I'm more the introvert. I don't want to talk much, and so on. But uh, we have a com- culture which fits perfectly for those people, so they can also express themselves like they want to be. And I think that's one of the most important things in this hiring processes for you and also for finding the right hire 
is that you also engage with the person in front of you and know how you should approach it. It's more the hard skills approach or a soft skills approach. And it's human nature that soft, soft skills are actually more valued. So it's a uh, given that uh, we are moving to this direction. Would you say since you've moved in this sort of direction of moving a little bit more towards the soft skills, that the companies sort of become more productive and sort of um, projects are easily being completed and things like that. Is that something that you've noticed now that you've moved to this direction? Yeah, because, uh, because as I mentioned also before, when people are getting, for example, intimidated in your hiring processes already, it's like, oh, they don't want to do anything wrong when they're actually employed in a company. So they are not like, yeah, they don't express themselves too much. <laughs> so that's what I've experienced. And if you're already making comfortable with doing your whole process, doing the onboarding and so on, it's more natural for them to actually work uh, with us. And as I mentioned, if if anyone is just a shy guy and uh, is still part of our team, uh, we work with him like with everyone else, it's totally fine. Uh, thanks, Mark. You got something to say, Stephen? Yeah, just uh, it's interesting um, what Peter was saying around the, the comfort during the hiring process of a candidate. Um, I think particularly one thing that I found really useful when, when hiring candidates is just to just like ask them a personal question. Like we're in games, right? So it's like you can be like, oh, you know, what are you playing right now? Like, because a lot of candidates do not get that question um, where they they feel extremely nervous. And all of a sudden, they're getting this this question from the side. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just playing like Zelda at the moment. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm playing that too. Or like the, the new Metroid Prime. And you just kind of get into a into a back and forth. And it's just finding where that personal connection is. And I find the rest of the interview tends to go a lot better than if they were nervous. Um, and I also think it's it gives them a certain impression of, of you know, your, your company as well and the, the types of people that are there. So I was curious, like... Have you guys employed anything like that or um, just to make candidates feel more comfortable? Constantine? Yes, it's a very interesting aspect, I think. Um, once I've heard a comment in, in generally in the industry that while candidate was applying during the hiring process and during the one of the interviews, uh, he felt that the process is extremely robotic, cold, and uh, has like li as little human touch in into the questions, into the behavior of the interviewer. That after I think, uh, I think he didn't even finish the interview because of that, because of the whole approach was extremely inhumane, sort of right, and. Uh, I did had to develop it myself as well during um, during basically the process, but I always try to have um, an interview as as a friendly talk. So um, not uh, maybe not to in intimidate too much, but also get the right understanding that I need. Uh, but at the same time, that the whole process feels like um, I'm talking to a friend that I don't know. I, I haven't seen for a while because um, if to make it way too um, way too generic or way too cold, I think it also may can give a little bit of like um, not a good impression of the company in general, and uh, also give give an understanding how the process in the company works. So because if we are humans and then we spend most of our lives basically working working with teams and working for what we like to do. But we also want to have social aspects in our lives being uh, uh, nice and friendly. So if with the first attempt, uh, the candidate can see that the company is not really giving this type of uh, environment where people can actually talk to each other without, uh, I don't know, without titles, without um, sort of su subordination, like being scared or something, that uh, it's it, it's it's really it's really good to have. Uh, a proper environment for for it, and also show it with the first steps of the hiring process. I think. Nice, thanks for that. Um, does that answer your question, there, Stephen? Perfect. Okay, so 
Perfect. Cheers for that. Uh, oh, Peter, you got something to say as well? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, regarding to Steven before, we are also doing this where like talking about, oh, what's your favorite game and what you're playing right now? Because it also helps us in actually hiding technical questions into those uh, things. So like, oh, for example, yeah, Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch had like only 25 FPS uh, on some uh, scenes in the game on the undocked Switch. So what do you think? Why is that? Or something like that. So talking about actual problems users have and convert them to technical questions is like one of the tricks I'm doing <laughs> often. And this also helps really much uh, because it's always like we're all gamers like in those interviews and we know the ins and outs of games. We, li we like to talk about games uh, in terms of yeah, that's a bad game. That's a good game because of this and that and this leads to a broad spectrum of questions you can ask there. And it's always like you can find out many things uh, when you're asking those questions. Because, for example, if you're talking about, like, one question I give is, like, if you have unlimited money, what game would you like to make for yourself? And then you can uh, find out about, oh, of uh, how creative he is. Like, oh, does he like to invent new ideas Try new, uh, try new games, or is it more the old-fashioned one who likes the established genres and uh, games like Call of Duty and so on, for example? And it's like, oh, you can derive a little bit his work uh, approach also there. So if you like to be, yeah, trying always the true and solid uh, solutions, or is he like, he's, if he's trying to do something new and so on? So. Uh, uh, yeah, Smash is one of the tricks I like to use here, and this really helps uh, also make people comfortable, and it doesn't also feel like a technical interview in the end. Nice, yeah, I really like that. <clears throat> the view of dropping questions into like a normal conversation. Um, that's really cool, and yeah, I like that. Um, right, yeah, so we'll just move on uh, to sort of like an open question we all created together. Um, so this question was how to how important is networking in the gaming industry and how can it help your hiring process? So I'll give a little bit of context. I talk to a lot of people within the gaming industry on a daily basis, from candidates to clients, and um, a lot of the time you notice, especially all the sort of people who have had a lot of experience and stuff like that, everyone seems to know everyone. Now, being someone coming into the industry, being very new, you might not quite understand that. You might not know everyone in that industry. Where could you go? How could you sort of incorporate that into your own personal development as sort of like a hiring tool for yourself? Does that make sense? Perfect. So I'll come to uh, Peter. I'll come to you again first, and we'll just make way around for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could say I was like a very introvert person at the start of my career. I'm actually not that much different today. Um, but uh, what happened was like with all the people I worked with together in companies, that's also like a little bit of networking because like people go everywhere to other studios. They go to their own uh, communities, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you actually can also talk about that. So like, oh, someone is in this community uh, has a talk about the topic X and no one ha has contacted this community and uh, yeah, they want to do this and that. And that's also how I actually got into this, like say additional jobs, you could say. So it was like in the end, uh, hey, I know you from person X. Do you want to lecture at the Games Academy? Or uh, hey, I know you're also from person Epsilon and do you want to match the games area? And that was like a natural uh, evolution on my side. And yeah, um, I think people can push that narrative a little bit more by just uh, showing up at the local communities, for example, because uh, I'm the one who had luck in this uh, regard, but if you don't have that much luck, um, you can go to local communities. Berlin, for example, is really uh, colorful in the, that regard. We have the Maze Festival. We have people coming to all these festivals we have here. 
we have meetups and so on, game jams, whatever uh, fancies you. Know? And um, yeah, it's a way enough to just show up there, drink a beer with someone, and talk about uh, games or whatever topic. It doesn't need to be something related to actual work or uh, hiring processes in the end. Um, that somehow goes naturally because then later in the end it's like hey i know this person he worked at company x or told me about that why don't we ask him to work with us uh because it's also like when you interact with those people they also already know how you would be when you work in the company so like they've already seen how you communicate with each other how you talk about certain points of interest and so on and this really helps actually uh to just get ask, hey, why don't you join us? Amazing, perfect. Constantine, uh, do you want to take it away from there? All right, uh, sure. Um, I think I can mostly talk for the, the personal experience. And uh, recently we had a massive shift to the remote work. Um, but before that, most of the work for me at least was done uh, from the office. So, and at the end, if, if you're in the right company and the company is growing, you're going to meet so many professionals, uh, inside this environment that is going to make your network extremely saturated, which is great. And, um, it, I think it's just important not to miss this opportunity and be, uh, able to actively communicate during during those working hours that you you are able to actually talk to new people and again for me um this opportunity in general to uh, become a hiring uh, manager for motion design and then for game art uh, it it it's not something that everyone wanted to do and for me it was uh, some sort of curiosity okay what what happens i've never tried it before tried this before but maybe I will discover something new and interesting. And it, it was at the end like this. So um, it, lo it looks like uh, it, you don't have to enforce certain things. You just uh, should be able to listen to the environment around you and being able to uh, respond to the opportunities that you have to in, like, in enlarge your network, <laughs> basically. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, Stephen, we'll wrap it up on you. Yeah, absolutely. I've really nothing else to to say on on, on Peter's and, and Constantine's point, other than like um, I agree in that like I would say younger younger developers um, should absolutely take the opportunity to um, build relationships as much as possible because as as Peter and Constantine said, those those developers do go off eventually, um, and your network network will tend to grow and grow and grow, and it really is about the quality of those relationships, like. It's a challenge these days because we're we're in remote work and and something I do personally is I go I I don't have to actually go into the office funnily enough but I choose to go in like uh, once or twice a week and when I do I'll I'll usually set something up with somebody to like you know let's just go for a walk let's go for coffee or something um, to build those kind of connections and you just feel more satisfied as a human being right just making those connections so it's a it's just a, it's just important to do. Um, Nice, I like that. That was literally going to be something that I was about to ask you then. How does a remote um, sort of working sort of affect this? But yeah, no, I like that sort of making that conscious effort to sort of go into work and actually meet people because it's, it's very easy to forget people are real people once you're sort of over a FaceTime or or sort of like LinkedIn work and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, like that. Um, yeah, go for it, Constance. See if you've got something to say and add on. Yeah, I totally agree with Steven on the topic. I also try, so we also don't have this policy that right now we have, that we have to work from the office, but I also try to visit it. Uh, on the other note, it's very interesting that uh, some of the tools um, that we were able to get during uh, this like fully remote times are actually helping uh, right now to continue like to communicate with people. And one of them is like a virtual coffee is like, a random bot that meet meet people together from every department. You never know who you're gonna have virtual coffee with, 
or uh, some sort of groups inside of your Slack or Teams or whatever you're using that maybe plan, play Among Us or they may want to play like some other online game together. And yeah, this this that always helps to to connect and to meet new colleagues uh, better in more yeah in more natural nicer way. <laughs> no yeah nice really like that as well okay well thank you very much everyone for your views um so before we end the podcast i'd like to say thanks to all our guests and for sharing their thoughts uh so today we've had steven peter and constantine if you wish to participate in a future podcast or would like to discuss how we can help you find the perfect next edition for your team please connect with me over linkedin and yeah just thanks again to our guests and thank you for listening we hope you can join us next time